Well, good morning. Good morning. I wish at this moment I could find the right words to tell you how glad we are that you came to worship with us. This is a, obviously a wonderfully special week, and we're just glad you're here. I want you to know that. There are a lot of churches you could have gone to, and God is going to bless every one of them as they preach the gospel. But we are just grateful you came today. And Dorsville folks, we are glad that you are here also. We are looking forward, already experienced a wonderful time of worship, and we're looking forward to a wonderful time in the Word. Now, now, before I tell the story that we're going to tell today, and we are in the midst of a series entitled The Insanity of God, just how crazy it is, this wonderful plan that God put together that we could have forgiveness of sin, but not only that, that we could like live forever. I mean, that is just an incredible thing. It's totally insane, and yet that's the kind of God that we serve. So right in the midst of this is week number three of the insanity um, of God. So, so I want to kind of ask a question, and, and let me kind of walk us through this, because I really think it's important we nail this down, because the, crazy, the story I'm going to tell you is crazy, and if you don't kind of get this down, you might go, well, that's a crazy story. And so, so that's why we're taking time to do this. And for those who are you know, worried about time and stuff, the invitation, or the invitation, the introduction is quite a bit of it, so don't panic too much. But you might panic some. Okay? All right. So anyway, so, so here's the deal. You know, like, why are we here? Why are we here? Now, now you know, some of us every week, this is kind of what we do. We, we go to church. We get up and we go to church. For some of us, it's Easter. It's a tradition. And, and we come on, on, on that special day. Um, some of it's a family thing. Some of y'all are going to gather together and do the family thing this afternoon. This is part of that, that family thing. Some of you may have got a free lunch out of this deal. Some of you may have said, hey, why don't you go to church with me and I'll buy your lunch. And that's always a great deal. So, but the bigger question I want to ask you is this, not really why you did this or even really why we do this, but why do millions and millions of people this morning get up and go to church? I mean, some of them are going to eat in buildings like this. Some of them have like crystal chandeliers and stuff. Some of them meet kind of like in a multi-purpose room like this. Some, of, some are little small groups and some are big groups. Some, of, some people somewhere are meeting under a tree because they don't have a building and they don't speak English. In and, and some places like China, um, they're meeting this morning or have met this morning. They're ahead of us. And they have met this morning and they did it in their bedroom because if they found out they're having a church, they'd have been arrested. Okay? Some people even like in, in the Middle East, you know, again, that same threat. If you're a Christian, you're on the wanted, the most wanted list. They're meeting in caves somewhere. And all of them had gathered together to worship this man, Jesus Christ. How crazy, how insane is that? Often because we live in America, we kind of think it's just an America thing, but it's not. Listen to this. There's about 6.5 billion people on this planet. And, and about 2 billion, a little bit more than 2 billion people associate. Now, listen to what I just said. 2 billion, not million, 2 billion people kind of put God and Jesus together. Now, think about that. A third of the planet connect God and Jesus together. That's insane. That's crazy if you think about how many people that is. And here's the deal. A huge chunk of them really get it and understand that not only do they believe in Jesus, because you all of us say, well, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but they honestly believe that he's the rescuer. They really believe that he came and the whole purpose of his coming was to, to die on a cross like that. I mean, the whole purpose, I mean, it like wasn't an accident. It wasn't a plan gone bad. You know, it wasn't like a bad Monday or a bad Friday. You know, it really was planned because they understood that Jesus 
you know, the wages of sin was death, and someone had to die for a sin. It was Jesus who did that. That is really, really just crazy. Two billion people do that. So now, so now here's, which leads to kind of a logical question. Why do we even know about Jesus? Now, let me explain that. You do understand back when Jesus lived, there was no internet. You couldn't, you couldn't friend Jesus on Facebook. Okay? And there wasn't printing presses. There was nothing like that. Back in the early church centuries, none of that existed. So why are we today, why are two billion people connecting Jesus and God together when Jesus was a carpenter? You know, you know when, when, when he was growing up, he was raised in his dad's carpenter business. And at age 30, he began this public ministry. We shouldn't even know the name Jesus. Much less be celebrating, not less, 2 billion people 2,000 years later celebrating this name named Jesus Christ. How incredible is that? Why is it? Why is it that we know more about a carpenter that never traveled more than about 25 miles from his house, who didn't have a seminary degree, um, who you know, just didn't do a lot of things? Why is it that we know more about Jesus today then we do all the Roman emperors that lived around his time put together. Why is we know more? You know, you say, well, Dwayne, I didn't hear a lot about Jesus in school. Well, you understand the, the social culture we live in, you know, because he was a religious figure. They didn't teach a whole lot about him. But the bottom line is, really, no man who's ever lived has changed the world like Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible that, that this carpenter we should know nothing about? Again, we know more about him than we do all the Roman emperors put together. Check this out. Why is it that if you go to Rome today and you go to the, the, the ruins of the Colosseum, Colosseum, that when you go there, hanging in the emperor's gate. Now, let me kind of explain that. In the emperor's box is where the emperor sat and all the people would sit around here. And there would be um, down on the, on the bottom of the floor, there'd be uh, gladiators fighting and all that. But a lot, a lot of Christians, you know, people that like followed Christ after he died and resurrected, they were killed there. They were martyred there. And yet, if you go, if you go and throw that picture up, please, Morgan, you know, if you'll go there today, this is what you see. Why is it that in a place where Christians were martyred by the thousands, perhaps the tens of thousands, why is it in a place where the ground was saturated with the blood of those who claimed they knew Jesus Christ and believed in him, why does a cross hang there? In a place that should signify death for Christianity, why today is there a cross there? Those really, really are amazing thoughts. In fact, it's really, you know, the truth is there's just not a, there's not a tomb to go to. I mean, you know, if, if you, my mom and dad died a long time ago, and I could go to Jacksonville, Florida, and I can show you, you know, there's where their bones are. This is where they were buried. This is where they lay. But when you go and find and look for a place where Jesus was buried, and they got a couple spots. They say, we think this is where he was buried. There's not a body. <clears throat> Nobody's home. And, and, and what's crazy is you can go to a lot of ancient graves that from that period, and there's bones there. You can go to some of the emperor's graves. You can go to some other people, famous people that lived in those times. And there's a body there. But we can't find the body of Christ. And do you want to know why? Because he didn't stay dead. I mean, it's just, 
all this piles together has got to kind of make you think and go, wait a minute. Maybe there really is something to this. Now, some of you really, really smart guys, you'll go something like this. You'll go, well, well, maybe the Romans and the Jews got together and they decide to hide the body of Jesus. That's why you can't find it. They decide to hide the body of Jesus. Well, no, that would be counterproductive. Because the last thing that the Jews or the Romans really wanted was a guy running around saying, hey, I'm resurrected from the dead. That would kind of like undermine Rome and certainly undermine the Jewish leaders. So that doesn't make sense. And then you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe his followers overpowered the Roman guards, rolled back the stone, and stole the body of Jesus. And then they told everybody that Jesus had resurrected. Well, that's a good thought. But, but it's flawed. Let me tell you why it's flawed. Now, a lot of people die for causes. You know, we recently celebrated again the anniversary back on in, you know, June 6th coming up again. We just, every year we think about June 6th. And for some of you aren't history buffs, June 6th is known as the longest day. It was when the Allies invaded Normandy. And, you know, those guys, I, it blows my mind every time I think about it. All these guys, you know, get off these boats and they get in the water. Some of them drown. But they were mowed down by the thousand by German machine gun bullets. By, by, by all the, the, the Hauser shells that were being fired, all of that. I mean, it's an amazing thought how they died. And what a great sacrifice. See, a lot of people will die for a cause. But these guys had nothing to gain by believing in a lie. I mean, it wasn't like, you do understand, it wasn't like that we'll steal the body and we'll tell everybody that Jesus resurrected and then we'll become famous and there'll be gold and there'll be silver and we'll be rock stars. Well, you know, there were like 12 followers of Jesus. You know, y'all know the story of Judas, he bailed. And then John the Baptist, or excuse me, John the Apostle was exiled to, to Patmos, the island. And, and he lived, like, tonight, 90 years old, in prison. But the other 10, now listen, the other 10, all were martyred. Heads cut off, bodies cut in two. Rumor is that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to die like Jesus did. There was no fame, and there was no fortune. So, like, so like if, if you had something to gain by spreading a lie, okay. If, if you had a cause you believed in, okay. But would you really die for a lie? Would you really put your life on the line knowing it was a lie? And the answer really is no. Maybe, just maybe, he is who he said he was. And he did what he said he did. Maybe the reason why 2,000 years ago we're talking about a carpenter. I was thinking, I asked Marsha if I could mention her dad. You know, Ken Houghton was kind of the co-founder of, of Houghton Plumbing. I think she was Houghton Lambert back in those days. And uh, he's now 92 years old. And I know he's very special to his family, and, and I've got to meet him. He's an incredible man, um, you know. And, and, you know, in probably 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and 40 years maybe, people will say, oh, yeah, Ken Houghton, Ken Houghton. Can you imagine in 2,000 years, can you even think that far ahead? Think 2,000 years, if the world's still ticking, that somebody in Harrisburg's going, oh, yeah, Ken Houghton, what a great guy. We would be blown away. The truth is, probably in 2,000 years, they won't be talking about Ken Houghton, even though he was a great guy, is a great guy. Why are we still talking about Jesus? Because he was the Son of God. That's the only explanation. Because he was who he said he was and can do what he said 
he did. And that's how it plays out in our story today. We've been talking about a story from John chapter 11 and then a little bit of verse uh, chapter 12 next week. Somebody asked, how long are you going to do the Johnny Cash thing? One more week after today. One more week after today. All right? So, so anyway, so, so, you know, so we've been talking about this crazy story in John chapter 11. I kind of want to talk us through it. really want to be mindful of your time because I so value the fact that you came here today. And so maybe, maybe if, you know, like if I don't preach a whole long time, you'll think I do it all the time. Don't ask anybody. They'll tell you. Okay? Don't ask anybody. They'll tell you. But, but there's this great story um, about a guy named Lazarus. Now, Lazarus and Mary and Martha were really, really, really good friends of Jesus. I mean, in fact, the Bible says that, that he loved them and they loved him. I mean, it was like a really close relationship. And so, like, Jesus is meeting with the guys one day, all right? And, and then they get a message that from, from the girls, from Martha and Mary, that their brother, Lazarus, is really, really sick. And so they're, they're basically saying, hey, Jesus, the guy you love is really sick, and we know you probably want to do something about that. So it's really crazy because Jesus says, well, you know, this sickness um, is not into death. It's for the glory of God. Then he talks a little bit more, and then he goes a bit further and says, um, well, you know, actually, Lazarus is dead. And apparently what happened was that, that the day the messenger left, you know, they didn't have, didn't have Instagram they didn't have all those things. So the day the messenger left to find Jesus, Lazarus dies. Wow, how devastating. How devastating. In fact, what's really crazy, though, is when he finds out that Lazarus is sick, he stays there two more days. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean Jesus could do something about it, even from a distance, but he stayed there two more days? Yeah, he really did. And so finally, he says after those two days, he says, come on, we're, we're going to go wake Lazarus up. And again, the disciples thought he was sleeping, and Jesus said, no, he's really dead. So, so when he gets there, Lazarus had been dead four days. Now that's important. Let me tell you why. The Jews had this kind of thinking that up until the third day, the fourth day was like way out. You know, up to the third day, they believed the guy's spirit would kind of linger around the body. And, and then if the spirit could find a hole or a way, it could re-enter the body and the person could come back to life. Well, he gets there and he finds out that Lazarus has been dead four days. That means things were pretty hopeless. If you want to know what hopelessness is, if you watched the Kentucky-Wisconsin game last night, with about 25 seconds to go, things did not look very well if you're a Kentucky fan. It felt pretty hopeless, and guess what? It turned out to be so. My sympathies. Notre Dame lost last week. I know it hurts you guys more than that. Notre Dame can't play basketball anyway. So, hey, you know. But anyway, so, so imagine how hopeless it seemed. And so Martha comes, the first sister, and, and Martha's like type A personality. Does anybody hear type A? You know, take charge, you know, and you just sense it. She doesn't walk up there, you know, with, with, with grief or anything. She walks up and say, you know, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And the truth was, there's a little bit of reproach in that. And there's, there's a little bit of um, faith in that, saying, you know, I really believe if you had been here. I, I regret you weren't. I, you know, I wish you had been. And Jesus said, well, you know, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha said, yeah, I know. Preacher talks about that on Sundays. Just kidding. You know, the, yeah, I know. In the last day, my brother's going to get up. And, and then Jesus said, no, no, no. You understand. See, I am the resurrection and life. He that believes in me, even though he die, he will live. And then Jesus said, do you believe that? 
And Martha said, yes, I believe. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Son of God. End of conversation. So Martha goes back to the house, and Mary, the type B personality, who is very, very uh, reflective, thoughtful, tender. You know, Mary's still back in the house with all the friends grieving. So Martha goes and says, hey, Jesus is here and wants to see you. So Mary gets up, and she didn't say anything, and, and all, the, all the buddies come with her, all her grieving friends come to Jesus. And you know what she said when she got there? The same thing. Lord, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. Different tenor in her voice, different approach, but the same thing. Lord, if you had been there, my brother... Have you ever asked that question? I mean, have you really like, you know, you're not, you may not be into God a whole lot, but I mean, it was a bad situation. And you just said, God, if there's ever a time, God, would you please save mom, save dad, save my sister, save my brother. God, I need you. You ever felt that thing? And then it didn't happen. And like you were devastated. You feel like if God is so good, why didn't this happen? And, and the girls are learning and we learn that God often has a bigger plan than we can see. It's bigger than we can imagine. In fact, he says over the Old Testament book of Isaiah 55, he says, like, like my ways are higher than what your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts, says the Lord. In other words, God says, I've got this really big plan, and I love you a whole lot, but I've got this really big plan I'm working out. And ultimately, it's going to bring glory to me. And this is crazy. Ultimately, there's going to be good coming from it. So she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And, and we, see, we see finally in, in, in verse number uh, 36, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 33, when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Wow. Since the emotion of Christ. Now, now he wasn't mad at Martha for saying, because, you know, some of us think today that God stays mad at us half the time. Come on, don't know we really? You know, I didn't do this or I did do that and I should have done that. And God's up there going, yeah, I told you. No, 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 no. You know, Jesus wasn't mad at Martha. He's mad. But you know what he's mad about? When he sees the broken heart of this type B Mary and her weeping, her broken heart, he's angry at death. He's angry at sin. He's angry at the devil. Because see, this wasn't their plan. You know, the Father had planned a perfect world for us to live in. And when Adam and Eve chose to sin, sin came in the world, and then came death and suffering and all that junk we all hate. And Jesus came to redeem that on the cross. But that hadn't happened yet. And he was angry. And, and that literal, that, that word, when it says he's deeply moved, he was agitated. Yeah, you ever seen a washing machine? We call it what? What's the thing in the middle? The agitator. The agitator. Jesus, y'all, put it in common language for you. Jesus was fired up. He wasn't fired up at Mary. He wasn't fired up at Martha. He wasn't even fired up at the Jews. He was fired up against devil. He was fired up against death. He was fired up against sin. And watch this. This is like so powerful. He goes, where have you put him? He asked. And Lord, they told him, come and see. And look at verse 35. Look at verse 35. Jesus wept. Now, before you want to go, some of you guys out there going, you know, 
yeah, he's such a man. You know, why is he crying for, dude? Jesus was a man. But you know what? His heart was so broken. As he watched these people he loved going through the death process, he wept. One translation says he broke out in tears over this. Now, I don't know about you. I, that doesn't undermine the, undermine the manhood of Jesus at all for me. But I am glad that there is a God who weeps for me. Come on, come on. I am glad there's not a God there going, hope you make it. I'm glad there's not that kind of God that says, listen, you know, good luck. I'm glad there's a God who in my heart breaks, his breaks with me. When you gather to the funeral home sometime in the future, there's a God who cares. I mean, Jesus really cared. And that's why he cried. That's why he wept. I mean, it wasn't for Lazarus. You know, they, they, they say, see how he loved him? It wasn't about Lazarus. He's fixing to do something about that. It was just when he saw how, how death and sin affected those people he loved, he wept for that situation. And he's about to do something about it. Look, I don't know how you think about God. I don't know how you see it. I don't know if you do see the angry God. I don't know if some preacher told you sometime that there's a God up there and he's just angry at you. Well, the God that I'm trying to tell you about says he loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now here's what you need to know though. There is a time for God's wrath. He made a way that every one of us, whether we're black, white, green, or yellow, rich or poor, whether we think we got a big sin list or a short sin list, whether we count ourselves as morally very good, or we would say there is not enough grace for anybody like me. When Jesus died on that cross, he took the full anger of God for our sins. And for anyone who will put their faith and trust in Christ, that anger is diverted. But if you say no to Jesus, not if you go to church, not if you get baptized, not if you're a good boy, not if you quit habits, you know, quit bad habits. If you say no to Jesus, there will be a time in the future where you experience the full wrath of God. I know you didn't come to Easter to hear that, but you need to know the truth. But the cool deal is, you don't have to, because He did. Because He did. So, so they take Him to the tomb. Where, where he's buried. And I love this. Look at verse 37. But some of them said, Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Isn't that a great question? God, if you, if you flung like eight zillion galaxies in the bean, could you have done something about my mom? Hey, God, you know, when you spoke, if you could speak the world in the bean, couldn't you have done something about that? Couldn't you have diverted a plane away from uh, towers on 9-11? Couldn't you have kept 147 students from being killed in Kenya? I don't have answers for all of that. I just know his ways are bigger than my ways. I do know in this case, in Lazarus dying, it's setting the stage for Jesus dying. And y'all ever go to the movie theater and you see the previews? I like the previews. 
and tells you coming attractions? Well, I know in the resurrection of this man, we see a preview of what's about to happen in about two weeks in his life. There will be a tomb and there will be a stone and he won't stay dead. Just like Lazarus didn't stay dead, he won't stay dead. I know that. I know, I know the guys, when he was hanging on a cross like this, when he's hanging on a cross like this, the, the religious leaders looked up at him, snaring, and said, this, said, Hey, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you see if that God you talk about will help you? See, and the deal was, he, if he came off the cross and saved himself, he couldn't die for us. I mean, in staying on the cross and dying, he paid the price for my sin and your sin. And if he'd have saved himself, that wouldn't have happened. And in this case, Lazarus, Lazarus had to die so he could be resurrected. And in being resurrected, one, he got to live again. But two, Jesus, the stage was set up for Jesus to die for our sins. Because they made the Jews really mad. And that set in motion the final two weeks of Jesus' life. It's incredible. Couldn't he open the eyes of a blind man? Could have kept this man from dying? Yeah. Yeah, he could have. But God had a plan. Then Jesus, angry himself again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and there was a stone, just like in his own case, coming in about two weeks in his life. Remove the stone, Jesus said. I mean, it'd be like going out after a fresh grave and digging it up. Remove the stone, Jesus said. And Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. Lord, he stinks. He's always been a little stinker, but, but he stinks. I mean, can you imagine that? Move away the stone. You know there was no, there was no Reed Funeral Chapel. There's no embalming. The best they could do is put a few suffices around the body, wrap it up in, in rags. That's kind of what they did. And, and the body in that heat would decay very quickly. It's been four days. Remember, after day three, it's hopeless. The spirit can't get back into the body. And, and Lord, we know, listen, we know you raised Jairus' daughter. But Lord, she was still in the house. She was like fresh dead. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yes, Lord, we remember the, the, the widow's son. We, we heard that story too. But Lord, it was still the same day. He was going to be buried. It was the same day. God, you've never done four days. He's going to stink. And I love this. Jesus says this. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? See, what does our world say? Seeing is believing. Not in God's work. Not, not in God's economy. It's believing and seeing. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see? And Martha reluctantly, she was the older sister, she reluctantly says, move the stone. So they remove the stone. Then Jesus prays this prayer. Now let me ask you a question. If you're about to raise somebody from the dead, wouldn't it be a pretty good prayer? I'm going to tell you all something. You know, Jean and I got in the habit of praying together at night. And she prays a lot better prayers than me. My prayers are like that long. God, thank you for this day. Bless my family. Help us to sleep good. You know, those kind of things. And like she prays for the world. 
Seriously, like three hours later, amen. And I'll lean over and I'll lean over and tell her, I said, that was a good prayer. I mean, but so wouldn't you kind of do that if you're fixing to raise somebody from the dead? Wouldn't you have a really, really big prayer? Now listen to what Jesus says. He says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this. So they may believe you sent me. Father, thank you for hearing me. We know what you're going to do. I believe you're going to do that. I said all this so they would know that you did it. And you also proved that I'm your son. Amen. So after he said this, he shouted. Now, it wasn't like he's shouting at Lazarus. Okay? It's not like he's saying, Hey, Lazarus! It's like Lazarus is hard of hearing. I mean, he is dead. He's not saying that for Lazarus' sake. He's saying it for the people there. Now, you've got to understand, Lazarus is a pretty popular guy. Well, he was. And there's a huge crowd there. So he wants to make sure... That everybody knows and how, what's going to happen and how it happened. So he shouts and he says three words. Lazarus, come forth. I think it was Augustine who said he had to say Lazarus because if he said come forth, everybody would have jumped out of their grave. I don't know if that's true or not. But he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he wanted everyone to know what is about to happen. So Lazarus, come forward. I love verse 44. You've got to love the word of God because the way it's worded sometimes. So the dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Now, can you even remember to imagine that? Can you begin to get that, your arms around that? The dead man. Let me ask you a question. So if you're at a cemetery and a guy came out of the grave... Like, what would you do? Hello, I'm out of there, Mary. I, when dead people start coming up, I'm out of there. I mean, I mean, like I said, I used to have dreams. This is the truth. This is the truth. I dreamed I was doing a funeral, and the guy set up in the casket. I'm telling you, it was a weird dream. When dead people get up, that's insane. But again, we serve an insane God. Because not only is Lazarus going to get up, but about two weeks later in Jesus' life, he's going to get up. And listen, listen. In this case, it was an outside job. The power for resurrection came from the outside. When Jesus does it, it comes from the inside. Powerful. Yeah, come on, powerful. Powerful. So Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says the dead guy comes out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Wow. How powerful. Now, again, the reason I, you've got to know this is because Jesus has erased at least two other people from the dead. But never after four days. In the Jewish mindset, game over. And for that to happen, wow. And secondly this, not only after four days, but Lazarus was a prominent man in the community. 
There's no doubt that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were very well known, not only in Bethany, which is about two, two miles from Jerusalem, even in Jerusalem, people knew Lazarus. And when this happened, the Jews got so fired up that they set in motion the death of Jesus. I, I said something in church. I don't know if it was Sunday night or Wednesday night. I can't remember. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Wednesday night. You know, the whole thing about this, you know, we, we see the passion of the Christ and we get mad at Pilate for being such a wimp. We get mad at the Romans for beating him half to death. We get mad at the Romans for driving the nails. We get mad at the disciples because they ran away. You know, we get all upset about this. But you've got to understand something. This whole thing we've celebrated this week, last week was Palm Sunday. Thursday night was the Lord's Supper. He spent the evening in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed so hard that sweat drops came from his brow. They arrested him, took him in a mock trial. They scourged him. They beat him. They planted a crown of thorns. And then they crucified him. The death of deaths. And so you might say, maybe you said this. God, what are you doing? And you know what God would have replied? I'm trying to kill my son. I'm trying to get my son killed. We spend our lives trying to keep our kids alive. God was trying to get his son killed. Why would he do that? Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the church or to Rome and says this. That even while we were sinners, even at our worst case, even while we had not quit one bad thing, even while we were sinners, Christ demonstrated his love, or God demonstrated his love for, the, for us like this, that Christ died for us. This whole death thing on Good Friday was about redemption. It's about us receiving forgiveness. God, what are you doing? I'm trying to get my son killed. So you can live, and you can live, and you can live, and you can live. And we, and we think, I know what we think. We, we think, well, I'll just be good. You know, I'll, I'll get to heaven. And God said, so why shall I let you into heaven, Dwayne? I almost said, well, I went to church, and, and I, didn't, I didn't do really bad things. And, and, and when I did bad things, I, I tried to correct them. And he would say, that's not good enough. Oh, I, I've been baptized. You know, when I was a kid, they sprinkled water on my head, and, and I was baptized, and he would say, that's not good enough. And we go down this list, not good enough, not good enough. And you say, what is good enough? That. Jesus. His blood. And all we do is believe in what he did. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And again, if it wasn't a carpenter, you know, that we shouldn't even know. And if it wasn't two million people. And, and if, we know, if we didn't know more about him than Romans, all the Roman emperors, all of that, we should not even know about this man. My heart is screaming to me saying, it's got to be real. This is not a feel-good holiday. It is factual history. And the cool part is, you can be a part of that history and that present. Well, how does that happen, Dwayne? Do I have to go? Do I, I know, I know, I know. You're going to tell me, I've got to be a badness. Oh, no. 
I got in this gig when I was a kid. <laughs> okay? You know, Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I'm gone, I'll be a Baptist dad. Amen? You know, I'm Baptist. But no, no, if, if you're Catholic, that's not the answer, and Methodist, that's not the answer, and Presbyterian, that's not the answer, and non-denominational, that's not the answer, Episcopalian, uh, Lutheran, uh, Methodist, 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 no, Church of Christ, uh, Church of God, uh, all those, no, no. It's, it's this. It's real simple. It's this. The Bible teaches that if we're willing to turn from our sin and follow Christ. The, the, in case you need a religious word, it's repentance. And if we are willing to turn away from doing our thing and following Jesus and doing his thing. And in the process believing that he's who he said he was and he did what he said he'd do. Then we have forgiveness. Dwayne, that's awful simple. Yeah, I know. But boy, was it pricey. Because it cost Jesus his life. Was it expensive? Yes, it was. Just not to us. Now, on a day like today, and we are a wonderful crowd today, every service, we do a, like, decision time. And we're going to do that today. But if I was sitting where you are, and I'm hearing this story maybe for the first time and hearing, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean I can like be in the family of God by believing in Jesus and turning from my sin? And you want me to come forward? And you go, are you nuts? Well, we're going to have everybody bow their heads if that makes it easier. But here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. If you've heard something today that makes sense all of a sudden to you, there's something in your heart going, this is what you've been needing to hear. <laughs> this is what your wife's been telling you. <laughs> <laughs> or your husband, or your kids. But if something today, just all of a sudden you feel this pull, all of a sudden this makes sense for the first time, or maybe for the third time, that's God saying, I'm calling you into my family. I'm calling you into repentance, forgiveness, and to following my son. And I'll be glad to talk with you. i got lunch plans, but hey, We'll stay here till noon or to, well, well, noon's not an impossibility. <laughs> you know, we'll stay here until night if we have to. Love to share with you. But I bet you came with some friends, and I bet some of them know Jesus. Say, well, can you answer a few questions, what Brother Dwayne was talking about? Uh, call us at the office, 252-1862. If you're a guest today and you've got a church family, talk to your pastor. Because I'm telling you, this is huge. This is like the best news. The word gospel means good news. And this is good news. That God can take me from a destiny that would ultimately lead me away from Him and being separated from Him to eternity with Him. That's incredible. And again, doesn't care skin color, wealth, sin habits. No, grace is greater than all of that. Would you bow your heads right there? So Brent's going to be standing down front in just a minute. And uh, if you, you know, this is something you say, I, I need to do this right now. And uh, boy, that's a good thought. Good thought. If you want to come down and say, hey, Brent, I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know more about this Easter story. I, I want to know more about this. We've got some guys who'd love to share with you. And if today's, if now's not that time for you, when it becomes time, when you feel that pull, it makes sense. Maybe it's Tuesday, maybe it's Thursday, maybe it's 5 o'clock this afternoon. 
get a hold of us. Go find someone you trust and say, hey, I want to know about the guy who wouldn't stay dead. I want to know more about Jesus. God, thank you so much for the incredible privilege of sharing today from your word. Jesus, thank you that all the, everything points to the reality of this. That we almost have to work against history and work against common sense not to believe. So I pray, Father, for those who are, are wrestling that down today, maybe for the first time. Bring them into your family. Draw them by your grace and mercy into forgiveness of their sin. Father, let each one of us leave this place. If we know Jesus, if we've had that moment with you, and we are Christ followers, may we leave with a commitment to show every person by our lives that he lives, that he's real. That Jesus, you are who you said you were, and you are the Son of God. Thank you for that. Now have your way this time. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.